0: Hello, and welcome to the Government Digital Service Podcast. My name is Vanessa Schneider, and I am Senior Channels and Community Manager at GDS. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Hardin, Senior Site Reliability Engineer, and Kat Stevens, Senior Developer and Co-Tech Lead on Gov.UK Pay. GDS has many products that rely on our expert site reliability engineers and their colleagues to maintain and improve their functionality, such as Gov.UK Pay, one of GDS's common platforms that is used by more than 200 organizations across the UK public sector to take and process online payments from service users. Jonathan and Kat recently completed a crucial reliability engineering project to ensure that Gov.UK Pay continues to operate at the highest standard and provide a reliable service for public sector users and their service users. We'll hear more about that in a moment. But to start off, can you please introduce yourselves to our listeners? Kat, would you mind starting? Hi, uh, I'm Kat Stevens.
1: I'm the senior developer on Reddit UK Pay. I've been working at GDS since 2017. And before that, I was a developer um, at startups and small companies. As um, a co tech lead on the migration team, then I'm kind of jointly responsible for making sure that our platform is running as it should be uh that uh our team is working well together that we're working on the right things and that uh we're what we're working on is of a high quality and is delivering value for our users um so as i like balancing that up with software engineering um making sure that yeah we're being compliant it's very important for pay software engineering is so broad there's like security reliability performance all of those sort of things so, yeah, it's kind of
0: thinking about everything and um, a high level. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad somebody's got a high level overview. Uh, thanks, Kat. Jonathan, would you mind introducing yourself too?
2: Hi, I'm Jonathan Harden, and I'm Senior Site Reliability Engineer on UK Pay. I previously worked at a major UK mobile network operator in the movie industry and for one of the UK's highest rated ISPs. um so all of GovUKPay's pays services run have to run somewhere. Being a site reliability engineer means that I'm uh, helping to build the infrastructure on which it runs, ensure that it is operating correctly, and that we keep uh, users' cardholder data safe, uh, and help the developers ease their development lifecycle into getting updates and changes out into the world.
0: Hmm, exciting work. So you both worked on a site reliability project for Gov.UK Pay. Can you please, for the uninitiated, introduce our listeners to the project that you carried out?
1: Yeah, so um, recently we uh, finished migrating Gov.UK Pay to run on AWS Gates. So previously, um, Pay was running um, its uh, applications on ECS EC2 instances on AWS. That's a lot of acronyms, but basically it means we were maintaining long-lived DC2 instances uh, that were running our applications. And uh, that incurred uh quite high maintenance burden for, for the developers on our team. Uh, and we decided that uh, we wanted to move to a serverless platform to kind of reduce that maintenance burden. And after um researching a few options, uh we decided that Fargate was a good fit for pay. Uh and we um spent a few months um, carefully moving our apps across uh, to the Fargate platform uh, whilst not having any downtime for our users, which is obviously quite important, like pay is a 24 seven service. So uh, we wanted to make sure that our end users had no idea that this was happening.
0: Jonathan, how did you contribute to this migration?
2: So obviously I've only been here for three months so, and the project has been going on uh, quite a lot longer than that. But this is the kind of task I've been involved with uh, several times now in the last few years at different companies. And so when I joined uh, GDS, it was suggested that I join this project on pay because I'd be able to contribute really quickly and, uh, and help with the kind of uh, the long tail of this migration. So anybody else that's been in an SRE that works in an SRE capacity Will know that when you do these kind of projects, you have like the bulk of the migration where you move your applications, like your front-end uh, services that users actually see when they go to the website, and the back-end services that process and transactions. But then you also have a lot of supporting services around that. So um, you have services like things that provide monitoring and alerting, um, infrastructure that provides where where do these applications get stored when they're not in use, and like where do you launch them from? And there was, quite, there was still quite a bit of that to tie up uh, at the end. And uh, the team its quite a small team, as a lot of SRE and infrastructure teams do tend to be. And so uh, when I started, I joined that team and I've been helping with the, the, these long tail parts of the migration. Uh, like in a lot of software engineering, the bulk of the work is done very quickly and the long tail takes quite a bit of time. So, uh, so that's the kind of work that I've been helping with in the last few months.
0: Great. Kat, as co-tech lead, what was your involvement in the migration? Let's see where to start. So um, when
1: I joined um, the pay team, um, which was uh, around October, 2020, um, we were in the early stages of the, of the project. So we made the decision that we needed to migrate and that involved things like analyzing like cost benefit things. Uh, it doesn't sound that exciting, but it was actually quite cool looking at all the different options. So for example, it meant that we uh, could uh, keep some of our existing infrastructure. We wouldn't have to move our RDS instances, for, for example. Uh, we could keep our existing security groups, subnets, um, all that kind of glue that holds all the application like um, infrastructure together. Then there was quite a lot of planning of how we would actually do this, how we would roll out um, the migration uh, application by application. We've got um, around a dozen microservices that um, we were going to move one by one and uh, figuring out what good looked like. How would we know that the migration was successful? Um, how do we know uh, whether to roll back a particular um, app? Say uh, for the actual rollout of uh, uh, migrating sort of one application from uh, EC2 to uh, Fargate, um, we basically uh, did DNS waiting. So uh, we could have both versions of the app running alongside each other and then you can have like 5% of the traffic going to the new app 95% of the old app and you can gradually switch over that waiting and monitor whether there are any errors uh whether like the traffic suddenly dips and uh things aren't getting through um so uh that was all part of the the planning. So, like, what um, what stages would we um, reach to say, like, yes, we're confident that this change has been positive, and uh, like having a whole uh, like overview of what's happening when, estimating things as well. That's always always pretty pretty difficult. But we as the more apps we did, the quicker we went, and uh, we sped up on that. So that was good. Uh, and yeah, there's um, a whole bunch of other things we um, we had to get involved with over the last few months as well. So that's uh, things like performance testing, the whole environment. Um, to you know we wanted to have like confidence that the new platform would be able to handle like the high levels of traffic that we see on gov.uk. Pay. Also, we wanted to look at how we would actually deploy these apps, um, having more confidence in our deployments, um, moving to continuous deployment where possible. So while those things weren't like directly uh, impacted by Fargate, um, doing this migration work gave us the opportunity to explore some of those other um, improvements that we could make. And uh, yeah, I think we've really benefited.
0: That makes sense. It's always nice to not just keep things ticking over, but making big improvements. That feels really rewarding, I think. Can you give us an impression of what the situation was before the migration maybe? On our previous infrastructure,
1: we were running uh, ECS tasks on um, EC2 uh, launch types. So uh, those are sort of like relatively long-lived um, instances that we had to provision, uh, patch, maintain. And then um, the developers on the rest of the team, I, you know, we're not necessarily infrastructure specialists. But when um, uh, developers on our support rotor um, would end up spending... Uh, sort of like maybe so sort of five, six, seven hours a week um, just maintaining our EC2 instances. We kind of realized that something had to change, and using moving to a serverless infrastructure, it's just completely removed that burden of having to provision and bake roll our AMIs, our machine images. Uh, we that just doesn't happen anymore, and we freed up our developers uh, to work on features. And yeah, the the infrastructure burden on pay, just so much less.
0: Ah, that sounds really helpful. I'm, I'm not sure if migrations are an everyday kind of job for site reliability engineers or software developers. So I was wondering if there's anything that stood out about this process, like an opportunity to use new tools or a different way of working?
2: Well, yeah, it's fun to work with new tools, but they're, they're, you get to, Part of working here and something I've seen in the time I've been here already is that we don't rush into those decisions. So uh, it's perfectly possible to see the the new hot thing in the industry and rush straight for that uh, without a good understanding of what are the trade-offs here. Everything has some trade-offs. And here at GDS, what I've found personally is that we put a lot of effort into understanding uh what's involved in the change what will the experience be like for uh i mean the customer experience the user experience people actually paying for services that needs to remain rock solid the whole time uh but what's the what's the experience like for developers so developers have a cycle they you know they write code they want to test that code somewhere they want to uh, get it approved and push it to production and uh and we're, so right now we're undergoing a process of replacing some of our deployment pipelines. And as part of that, we're, we're in the early stages of this, but we're doing real research into how will our change of that be for the developers. And there's something really, really, really rewarding about looking at the different options available, seeing uh, what is the new, the newest cool things, are they where to go? Do you want to go to something a bit a bit older and a bit more stable? Is there a happy medium? uh what will the experience for the developers be like there what will the maintenance burden be like and one of the things for me here is that i'm seeing that even down in the teams it's, these decisions aren't being taken by somebody high up saying we're going to move to this thing make it happen and instead we've uh we're doing research down in the teams that are going to do the work speaking to the developer uh, we're going to be speaking to the developers and surveying other developers about what do you want from not just the change to stay the same but a change to make an improvement and it's really it's exciting to work with the new tools and the new possibilities and it's also exciting to be involved in making those decisions Um, it it marks quite um it was quite stark for me when i first started and i was told This, this major project is going on and it's likely to be three to six months before we start work, start work on doing it because we're doing the research up front and it's happening in the teams. People are spiking on cool things, which means even if it's technology that you don't get to use eventually, or that you choose not, don't get to, but choose not to use eventually, you know, the teams are helping to make this choice. You get to try out a bunch of different technologies and. One of the great things with that at GDS is there are different parts of GDS and different parts of GDS are using the tooling that is suitable for their area, that makes their area best uh, work best. And that does mean that there's scope for if you decide I want to work on this other cool thing and this other team are working on it, you can uh, move into one of the other teams and work on that new cool technology.
0: I mean,
1: uh, I I agree totally. I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to move to Pay was to get more experience working on in, on the infrastructure side of things. On a previous team, it was uh, more sort of like core software engineering, and uh, uh, on on Pay, I've uh, learned more Terraform than I <laughs> ever thought was possible to know, and uh, loads of other skills. Um, like got so familiar with all the the intricacies of it as well and kind of like sort of pushing it to its limits almost and trying to get the best out of the tools uh, for our for our team and for our project. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's been really exciting. I mean, one of the uh, new shiny tools that we've been looking at was uh, our watch and we use it for running our smoke tests now. And that was part of the, um, we kind of rolled that into the the Fargate migration project because it seemed like it, a good way of, yeah, um, like, uh, checking that our deployments were working correctly. It took a little bit of wrangling for it to get uh, fit into our deployment pipeline, um, but it, but it's really cool, sort of like uh, being the um, new thing, just falling into place. And now it looks like some of the other teams are following us and um, uh, using that uh, that tool as well. So it feels quite nice to be a trailblazer.
0: (laughs) No pressure to get it right then. Uh, What were some of the things on your mind when you were making those selections then?
1: We wanted to make sure that we made the right decision. Uh, So we did spend um, a fair amount of time actually analysing all the options. And uh, in the end, we we went with Fargate and um, purely because um, it meant that we could reuse some of our existing infrastructure. Overall, we kind of prioritized the what was going to be the lowest risk uh, in terms of how we were going to do the migration. Um, Like, would any sort of my would we need any downtime? Uh, Would this impact like our our paying users? Would it impact like our service teams, the actual sort of like government departments who use Pay? Um, Would it impact our developers who are actually trying to build new features and? if they've got a platform that's shifting underneath them that's always going to be difficult um so uh, we were really trying to um to go for an option that uh met our needs and like achieved our goals of uh reducing maintenance burden uh saving costs as well obviously uh and um yeah uh, <laughs> just making making like pay uh, an easy you know simpler and easier to be a developer on Uh, and weighing that up with, um, you know, what's this new new and shiny thing, like uh, what's all this, you know, because there's so many tools out there, but if it's going to take us like a a huge amount of effort to actually migrate to them, then is that benefit actually going to pay for itself or not? So we we actually did quite a lot of the investigation analysis, a big spreadsheet, (laughs) trying to calculate how much, like developer time, like in hours per week of what's being spent on infrastructure maintenance and kind of trying to estimate how that would change when we've moved.
0: Cool. That sounds like the the bigger picture view the co-tech lead would have, of course. Jonathan, any benefits that stood out to you perhaps?
2: Uh, the the process of trying these things is really interesting. Um one of the things that we do at GDS that is not something I've ever experienced elsewhere. I know it does happen elsewhere in the industry, but is we have um what are called fire breaks. So there are a gap between quarters. Now, when I say quarters, we're not like planter, these 12 things will happen in the quarter. We are uh like our team is running uh a full Kanban approach, uh, because we're an infrastructure team that do some support. Um and uh One of the things with those fire breaks is they're a week long. So I've worked lots of places where you do hack days and hack days are great, but one day isn't really very much time to truly try something deeply. And on the fire break, you get the opportunity to w- try uh, something that might, uh, you know, something's coming up, you know, you're going to do this migration. You've got some thoughts about, Oh, there's this technology. I've heard it's great. I can give it a real try and I can prove to other people that this is something we should seriously consider, especially if it's really exciting for you. Uh, or you might use the opportunity as well to, uh, to scratch an itch that's been bugging you. So, like, uh, I, I, just to give you an example of what, we've just had a fire break. And during that fire break, um, we used to use several different versions of Terraform. Uh, for people that know Terraform, some of them were the versions that use the older version of the language, so HCL one and some of them were the version that use HTL2. And it means they're not very compatible. So, I used that fire break as an opportunity to upgrade all of our Terraform to get everything up to the very latest. Uh, and like that 's really scratch niche for me, and that 's not necessarily super exciting for everybody, but for people that have to work on this day to day it is very, very very exciting and But other people did uh, spikes on trying out a whole new type of deployment, which is uh, part of what we 're doing going forward and i 'm seeing across the other teams the developer teams people trying spikes on uh, potential product features very exciting to see those things happening in other teams, and people really Trying out and not just quick hack, but like really trying, can we get somewhere with this? And what's the opportunity for using this in the future? And it's what people wanted to work on, uh, and that that's really, really that was really exciting for me as as part of the research, like the ongoing research. The fact that they happen every quarter, it's very exciting.
0: Cat, fire breaks. What's your opinion? Are you a fan? Obviously, at GDS, like our
1: quarters, like you know, we do carry over work between quarters. But it is nice to have that um, that week or so where you can just like think about something else. Uh, you can it's you can recharge, you can reset a little bit, you can try something new, and uh, uh, having like the like the support from senior management to do that as well, and have that space to experiment and. Um, try out new things uh to fail as well um i think that's so important and even if your project like never makes it outside of firebreak um you can that will stick in your memory and so when six months later and say oh maybe we should try this and you can actually say that might be a disaster i remember it from my firebreak or you've got that background knowledge to just uh give context on a wider discussion perhaps i think it's it's so useful and um uh also it kind of gives you an opportunity to potentially collaborate with people who uh you don't normally work with or with people in different roles as well so the, rather than just us working uh within the migration team or the feature teams uh we can kind of chop and change uh you can work with like user researchers or content designers and uh do just the things you wouldn't normally do and uh Or even if you just need a little bit of time to do some housekeeping or tidy up some stuff that's like Jonathan said, is just scratching that itch. So um, I I love a fire
2: break.
0: It sounds like the fire breaks have been really productive then. Are there any other ones you can share from the migration as well perhaps?
2: One of the interesting things for me one of the interesting things about working in pay specifically in GDS is that we have to maintain PCI compliance because we're taking payments. Now that's not something I'd ever done before coming into pay so the the first thing I did in pay was learn about PCI and spend some time learning about uh, what it what it means to be compliant, but part of that is uh, called protective monitoring. So you have active scanning going on, looking for is anything nefarious happening over here? Has anything gone wrong over there? And that means that people have to spend time responding to those reports. And those reports, you occasionally get a false positive, but spending all that time dealing with those reports and investigating them, uh, like that's that's all been freed up now. But that means we can focus on future improvements more. So we've um, our uh, we have an environment to test performance of the application in uh, we're going through a process at the moment of making it so that that environment can appear when it needs to appear and go away when it doesn't need to be there and that of course means saving money which you know we work in the civil service this is taxpayer money this isn't uh like venture capital it's the money that all of us pay in tax and uh And so it's like even more important to make sure that we're spending the right money. It's not to not spend money, it's to spend the right money and only the money that you need to spend. And so we're able to spend time making sure that we can have that environment scale itself down and scale itself back up and use that learning of uh, scaling up and down uh, those environments to start working on potentially auto scaling the other environments so that they respond to meet demand instead of needing to be at the capacity for peak demand all the time. This is uh, the these are quite exciting things in themselves, but like we wouldn't have ha- we wouldn't necessarily have the time to do these smaller improvements that you know they they will save money they'll make a big difference in how much we spend.
0: What about you, Kat? Any thoughts? Um, yeah.
1: So um, previously, um, while the majority of our apps were running as uh, our tasks on EC2 instances, we did have a couple of Fargate apps running and people were a bit nervous about updating them and deploying them but now we are deploying to Fargate everywhere suddenly it doesn't seem so much of a big deal anymore and so we've been able to kind of demystify some of those extra um uh, auxiliary apps and the like we've had really good feedback from uh, the developer team saying like this is great we don't even have to you know uh, have a." mental energy spent on worrying about this app anymore uh, and that's kind of like the same for our other sort of the, the bits and pieces that go under the radar so this is something we're kind of looking at now it's uh, how do we make sure our um uh, nginx properties are, are patched and up-to-date and uh, get deployed quickly and it's not going to be a a huge uh like mental effort even to kind of even think about how do we do this we don't do this very often am I gonna to have to look this up again um we can also make more of these processes and uh just uh have a more sort of a like stable reliable platform
0: yeah it can be intimidating when you don't do a process frequently just wanting to make sure you get everything exactly right I think a lot of people can relate to that but it's so good everyone's confident now Exactly. yes so obviously, Kat, you aren't a site reliability engineer, but working on this project has given you the opportunity to upskill in that area, is that right? Is that a common practice? Um, is, it, is it normal for software developers to sort of take on a project like this to learn these things? Uh, it's, that's interesting.
1: Um, I think uh, role of a as like software developer at GDS, it can be so broad. And there's so many different types of things you can work on. I was uh, working on um, Python projects for a couple of years, and sort of like dipping my toes into a bit of Ruby and a bit of JavaScript. And uh, but but the the previous team I was working on the infrastructure was very stable, and um, there there wasn't really any um, a huge need to uh, like revamp it or do any major bits of work on it. So while there was um, a couple of bits and pieces ad hoc here and there um it kind of felt like the uh the infrastructure side of um the whole software engineering uh, uh ecosystem if you want of a better word um that that infrastructure side of it um was was a gap in my knowledge uh and so um it's been really good to be able to move to pay and uh like roll up my sleeves and get stuck in and uh you know like figure out all these iam permissions what what needs to be done where and uh actually sort of like get, getting that experience in like uh, lifting the hood and seeing what's powering the the actual software underneath and all those like going down through the layers and um yeah <laughs> it's been um uh, it's, it's been really eye-opening actually like a um Previously, I would have never described myself as doing any sort of DevOps side of things. And I was actually quite like scared of bash scripts. And now they are, yeah, well, I wouldn't say second nature, but they're not so scary anymore.
0: That's a great outcome in my books. Uh, Jonathan, is it common practice to have somebody come in like that for you? I mean, obviously, you've not been at GDS for a long time, but I was just wondering how this compares to the private sector
2: so lots of people want to be a site reliability engineer it's a very kind of hot field it's a very cool area to work in and i don't just mean across the industry i mean i think that too. i really really like this role i've put on many hats over my career and this is the one i'm enjoying the most by a long way uh, so in a previous company, I was like leading a team of, infra- of uh, there we were calling ourselves infrastructure engineers, but we were hiring site reliability engineers. And actually we found that it, it was, in some ways, it was better to have a more diverse team in uh previous role as well. I mean, uh, like I always believe it's better to have a diverse team anyway in, uh, in all aspects. Uh, having people from a software engineering background and people from a systems administration background, like a traditional sysadmin background, uh, bringing those people together, uh, especially if you've got one or two experienced site reliability engineers already, uh, works really, really well. People want to upskill into this area. U- upskill isn't even necessarily the right word. People want to move into this area. It's not that it's uh, an upskill. It's it's just, it's sideways. It's a, a different kind of role. Uh, and it means that they're very enthusiastic and they really want to learn these things and they want to demystify the scary things like kat was talking about so me personally i've been uh she mentioned bash i've been using bash for many 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 years uh since about 2001 i think something like that um so that's not scary for me but for people who haven't worked with it i can help them with uh you know i can help people and i can mentor them and i can show them good practices
0: I don't think I've heard a better recommendation for folks to become site reliability engineers. Keep an eye out on our vacancies as there are continuously opportunities at GDS to work on exciting projects like this migration or to broaden your skill sets. But just to recap, would you say there's anything you're particularly proud of as a result of this migration?
1: um, Like the actual, how we did the rollout itself, uh, like with zero downtime, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but also maybe kind of like in the ways that we actually uh, worked as a team around it as well because it was quite a long-running project and I think there's some interesting parts about uh, how we uh, like reassured ourselves that we we were doing the right thing like um, you know regular retrospectives, fire breaks like like we've mentioned, Um, like uh, how we dealt with um, unexpected work coming along because um, as well as being like the migration team we were also kind of the infrastructure team so any kind of unexpected uh, bits and pieces that came up um, it would be our team there where we'd have to like temporarily pause the migration work and um, pick up uh, you know whatever it was. Um, so uh, how we responded to that and you know how we communicated with each other. Uh, I, I think that's kind of a whole, a whole nother podcast in itself almost.
0: It sounds like there's an amazing community that you can tap into, to keep up to date, make sure that work isn't being duplicated. And clearly there's a lot to be proud of regarding the product performance.
2: Yeah. So something that I found a little different here from other places of work, it's even large organizations that actually really helps with uh, that sharing of information. So we have, we have various uh, like show and tell type and catch up meetings, but that are wider than just your uh, small area of the uh, the business. So we have a catch up every week uh, among all the infrastructure people, and there we all talk about what are we working on right now, uh, like what things are we looking at in the future, are there challenges that you've faced, uh, how is the business of usual stuff going in your area, and. Conversations often come out of that into, oh, you're trying out this new technology. Or uh, you might, it's because we have it every week, you might mention like, oh, we're starting to look at this thing and you'll hear other people's opinions on either the thing you're trying or what you're aiming at or what they've done. Uh, I was mentioning we're doing this, uh, changing our deployment pipelines. So we have a, a few teams are all doing that as well. And so we have a channel where we're talking about that. And as people are trying things, they're putting in that channel, like uh, what they're trying, how it's going, like what the challenges they faced are um, and, uh, you know, asking for help as well. Have other people tried this? What uh, Did you manage to solve this issue or that issue? Um, I really feel like the collaboration across parts of GDS and the wider cabinet office is uh, is really, really good. Within the infrastructure side, it's really good. there's definitely uh like beyond the infrastructure i do attend we do have show and tells where people get to show like uh, the thing they're working on uh, that's not just infrastructure related and that's been that's really good as well for just understanding like the wider landscape of what's happening across cabinet office and that's uh that's really they're, they're really helpful to communicate those things and to work out are we working on the same thing are you about to start working on a thing that i'm working on Uh, Have you already done this? Can you give me some pointers? And that's uh, really good.
0: Yeah, it's nice that you've had the opportunity to share your learnings with the community. Do you have any uh, maybe more personal reflections on this work, perhaps?
2: Yeah, so working at the Cabinet Office, it's the first time I've worked for the civil service. And I'm very aware that it's, it's different than the other roles that I've had because I'm like, I feel like i 'm kind of helping wider society. We all have to pay the government for all sorts of things and uh, pay supports many different services uh, uh, including on a previous version of the g d s podcast you talked to some of the product people from pay and I listened to that before I joined pay uh, a bit before i joined g d s and it was really interesting to hear the esoteric services that uh, we have but of course we have some we have some bigger services as well and other government departments come in online all the time and knowing that uh, the infrastructure we're working on supports the ability for the public uh, to pay things that they, they need to pay to the government or they want to pay you know they they might be buying a fishing license or something like that and that's knowing that we make it easier for people to do that and that it's done in a way that uh, focuses on the accessibility of the service so any member of the public uh can try and pay through us and we'll have not reach barriers like their screen reader software can't work with the service these are uh, knowing that i'm giving this back as part of my role it makes a big difference uh, to me as an engineer uh, it's 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 kind of the first one of the first times where I've not had some kind of crisis around like oh am I giving back to society wider society and now I really feel like I am and that's a real big part of what's making me so happy here uh, among working in a fantastic team and a great org and on cool technology of course
0: that's so lovely to hear Jonathan thank you for sharing if you are similarly minded and want to try and help wider society do keep an eye on our careers page That's gdscareers.gov.uk for openings. It could be insight reliability engineering. It could be general software developer. It could be very different, but we're always looking for new folks to join us and bring their perspective into the organization. Thank you to Jonathan and Kat for joining me on the episode. If you like it, you can listen to all other episodes of the Government Digital Service Podcast, like Jonathan has, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. And the transcripts are also available on Unbean. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye. toodle